All right, well, hey, good morning. I didn't hear anybody. Hey, good morning. My name is Mark. I'm executive pastor here. I want to welcome you also. And I don't know if you caught that. It's Charlie's birthday. Did y'all hear somebody scream that out? Um, Hey, I just want to say, man, I am so thankful that that he was born and (laughs) that uh, we crossed paths and that at this at this time in my life and in my family that we're in this place, in this church, and I really appreciate his leadership. So for what it's worth, I'll just say happy birthday. Also, on the note of birthdays, November is a really interesting month for our family when it comes to birthdays. Our, our older two boys, although they're three years apart, their birthdays are November 28th and November 29th. And then Terry's birthday is November 1st. And so... You know, the, the twins are, our six-year-old twins are in the summer, so <laughs> thankful that they weren't also born in November. But anyway, it's kind of like that. And then Terry and I, I was born October 17th, so we've only, and we're the same age, so we're, we've only got a few weeks in between us. And so, you know, over, you know, 25-some years of being together and, almost, you know, in our 40s, we've like, there's been a lot of birthdays, and it's always mine gets to come first, and then, and then hers, and we're pretty competitive, just by nature, and you could guess. And, um, and so it's always like, man, how am I going to communicate? And we're really, really different. I mean, as different as two people can be. And so in our love languages and our personality, so how, how am I going to communicate well that you are special and loved on your birthday? And she's trying to figure that out. And I admit, I don't make it easy. Like, like gifts are just, I'm usually not, she's saying, what would you like? And I don't, I don't really care, you know, and I'm not big on sweets, so it's, you know, birthday cake or whatever. The card doesn't really, I mean, really, I just want you to hug me and tell you that I did something good. Like, really, you know? And, and in her mindset, in her, like, I can do that, but that doesn't really mean anything. Uh, on the other side, you know, if I would let her sleep in and do the dishes, that's like, but that, no, that's not enough. I need to figure out something, you know? So, so anyway, there's always kind of this game of trying to figure out how to make that day special, and this year, so we had just, uh, my parents had just taken our kids, and, and we were getting ready to go out on a date, and Terry says, hey, just, let's just wait a minute, there's something that's going to be delivered. Something's going to be delivered. So my mind started to spin, oh, what in the world could this possibly be that, you know, I guess it's about time that FedEx is going to run, but you know what, I, I don't know what's going on, and then, and then this this uh, girl that we know shows up, and I didn't even know it, but evidently she started professionally making birthday cakes and cakes, wedding cakes and things, and she brings this, this cake into the house. Now, uh, it'll go up there at some point. Hey, Kurt, can you push the cake up there? There it is. Uh, so, I mean, this is a cake, right? I mean, and I, like I said, I'm not big on sweets, but there's what I, I like, dark, I mean, the bitter, bitter, dark chocolate and coconut. Those are, those are, you know, that's coconut, toasted coconut on it. That's dark chocolate drizzled over the top of it. Even the icing, I think it's the buttercream icing, but it's got coconut flavor in it. And then the, the cake is dark chocolate. And if we didn't finish it off that day, but by the time the weekend was gone, this cake was gone. And it was absolutely incredible. All right, so that's, you know, that's October 17th. So now Terry's birthday is coming. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I got to do something. But for me, it means something if it comes from the heart, you know? So it's not as much about how much money you spend, but it's about how much you put into it. It's just the thought. It's, it's, it's the heart. So 
I let her sleep in, and, and I take the twins, and we run to the store and get all the goods. Now, I have not made a cake, especially a three-tier cake, ever. But we go get all the goods. She really likes candy corn, so I'm like, man, we're going to make a candy corn cake. And so, I, I mean, I start making it, and the babies are mixing, and when we finished, they start placing the candy corns on the cake, and this is what we ended up with. Which that picture doesn't actually do it justice because it's just toothpicks that are holding it together. And evidently, you know, when you bake and it's like this, you're supposed to level it off. And I didn't, so the whole thing cracked. And there's just this big crack full of icing on the middle. It tasted all right, but nobody really wanted to eat it, I don't think. (laughs) It got left open and some ants just devoured it. So that was the difference between our two birthday cakes. But... um, And I say that because as I start reading through this story of Jacob, and especially what we're going to be looking at today, we just have a tendency, uh, instead of trusting in the promises of God, instead of uh, leaning on, yielding and, and leaning into that and letting him be God and do the things that only God can do, we're just real quick to take things into our own hands, force our way and try to make things happen. And this is, what, this is what, this made me think about what my life looks like a lot of times when I just try to do the things that I should just be resting and waiting and trusting and allowing God to do, taking the action that I need to take, but the things that are God things, leaving the God things in God's box, you know, and letting him do them instead of me trying to take them in my own hands. And uh, if you were here last week, if you weren't, I would really encourage you to go back and, and watch and listen to the uh, the rest of this series because it's, you know, we're, we're in a story, so it's just building one on top of the other. But if, if you remember, Jacob has left home. His, his mom is like, hey, your brother's going to kill you, and I don't want you dating the girls around here, so why don't you go to your uncle's place? And so while he's on his way, there's that dream that he has, that uh, the ladder, you know, we call it Jacob's ladder, but God comes to him and he says, uh, chapter 28, verse 15, Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. Now, everything that we're going to talk about today as we continue on through the story, I want you to remember this this promise. God has told him before he even gets to Laban's house, he's told him what he's going to do. I am going to be with you. Right before this, he said, hey, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to bless others through you. The nations and your descendants are going to be like the dust. I mean, it's just going to be so numerous you can't count it. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to keep you wherever you go, and I'm going to bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. God is making Jacob a promise. And then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said... What we should probably say a lot of times, he's like, surely the Lord is in this place. This is, this, is a holy, this is a holy moment. He was in this place, but I didn't know it. I, I missed it. I was looking at all the tangible things. I was looking at all the things that I can make sense of, and I, I missed the fact that he was present in this moment. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And he named that place Bethel, which means the house of God, that that place that surely the Lord is here, but but I missed it. And you know what happens then. So he goes from there and and that's what happens throughout the story. It's like there's this high moment where, man, surely God is in this place and I missed it. 
And then he gets to Laban's house, and if you remember, there's the two sisters, the older that wasn't so great to look at, and the, and the younger one that was blessed with beauty, and he really wants the younger one, and so he, he agrees to a seven-year engagement where he's going to work for her hand. Now, when we do marriage counseling, we're, I'm, I'm like, man, don't, don't be engaged longer than like three weeks, right? Because <laughs> long engagements are bad. This is, this is seven years he's had where this girl that he, he wants to marry, and you telling me that he's not, man, every day, like finding some way that he can just take a gaze at her? He knows what that girl looks like really, really, really well. And then y'all remember the story? Man, father-in-law slips older sister into the marriage bed on wedding night. I mean, that must have been one crazy feast that they were having on wedding day, right? That was a, that was a wedding party. And you got him. Just one example of of something that, that Jacob could have done. I mean, if he'd been thinking straight, he could have said, whoa, 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 whoa. He would have noticed that this wasn't Rachel. And said, whoa, 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 this isn't what, this isn't what we agreed to before he consummates the marriage. But no, it's the next morning. And he wakes up and goes, oh, this, 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 this isn't Rachel. And so then he agrees to that, to that second uh, seven years, and now he's married to, to, bo- to, to both of them, which already were in Jer- Jerry Springer, right? I mean, we've already got this love triangle thing going. And, um, and it says, he loved Rachel more than Leah. I mean, we, we could assume that from the way the story has gone, but it's just really clear. He loved Rachel more than Leah. And then listen to this, and this is the thing I want you to catch. It's almost as if throughout this story you see the characters, and particularly Jacob, trying to fix the problem, trying to do the thing, trying to make it happen on his own strength. And then there's this, this character. It's like, like a movie, you know, where there's that, that character that's subtle, that just every once in a while they, they show up, but really they're kind of the main story. But, you know, you don't see them all the time, but at these critical moments they seem to be in the room. When you get that, it's like they'll do all these crazy things, and then all of a sudden there'll be this one comment. And so the main comments I'm going to bring to you today are these, these statements of where God says, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm here, and I made this thing happen, the thing that you... We've been trying and failing at making happen. Yeah, yeah, I did that. And right here it says that uh, Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah. And when the Lord saw Leah, that Leah was hated, he opened up her womb. And so you've, you've got these, these two women, and this one has beauty, and now this one is going to be very fertile. But either one of those things, or those things that they could control, those, those are God-given things, Right? And so one was given beauty by no work that she had done, and the other is given this fertility but uh, of no work that she had done. And now those things in the battling for the affection of their husband uh, were, were at war. And so uh, Leah gives birth to Reuben. Then she gives birth to Levi, and then uh, to Judah, I mean to Simeon, and then to Levi, and then to Judah. And Reuben, it, it means, uh, she even makes a statement about being seen. Simeon uh, relates to being heard. Levi rela- relates to being connected and attached. And the things that she says are like, man, maybe now he'll see me. Maybe now I'll be heard. Maybe now we'll be connected. As we go through this whole story of all these sons that are being born, it's like maybe I'll have my husband's affection now. If this happens, and then she has Judah, and, and that relates to this time I will, I will praise the Lord. 
And now Rachel is jealous. So Leah's jealous of the affection that Rachel has from Jacob. Rachel is now jealous because Leah's having all the babies. Rachel goes to uh, Jacob, give me children or I'll die. And it says that Jacob's anger was kindled. I don't know how, what relationship is in your house and in marriage, but if you ever felt like that, like your spouse does something, and you're, a good way to say it would be, you know, my anger has been kindled. <laughs> it says that his, his anger was, was kindled, and he says, uh, I'm not God that I can, that I can give human life. <laughs> Why are you coming to me? This, this is not something I can do, which I just appreciate that at least he recognizes it because we're fixing to go through some crazy stuff here where they're really trying their best to make it happen. And Jacob's recognizing, full, I, I, I can't make that happen. Now, let's just say, fellas, that this guy is definitely actively passive. I mean, at any moment, he could go, whoa, 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 whoa. Ladies, 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 simmer down. This isn't working. This, this plan is not good. And let's just say that they're driven with jealousy. He's driven by lust and allowing this thing to go. He's like, man, this, this, this seems good to me, letting you guys fight over me. Um, so what does Rachel do? Well, she takes her maidservant, Bilhah. And what we're going to do here, we've got kind of three different scenes. I'm just going to call this first scene uh, Maidservants and Mandrakes. And it has everything to do with uh, this desire to have children and this war between Rachel and Leah. And so Rachel takes her maidservant, Bilhah, and she gives Bilhah to Jacob to have children. Because that's going to make everything better. Boy, that solution makes good sense. And sure enough, she has Dan. And Nephtali. And what, what those two names mean is, is if she's saying, Justice have, has come to me and I have won the victory over Leah. But has she really won the victory? I mean, she gave the maidservant, she had two, Leah's already had four. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm counting. I, I don't know. I mean, and did she cause this to happen? Yeah, she took it into her own hands. And was it a good solution? You know, I, I don't know that that was the best of solutions. Well, then uh, after Rachel, I mean, uh, after Leah had Judah, uh, she stopped being able to have children for a little bit. And so she sees what Rachel did, and so she goes, that's a great idea. I'm going to take my maidservant, Zilpah, which has anybody noticed that these two girls have similar, Bilhah and Zilpah? Anyway, uh, and Zilpah get, has, gives birth to a boy named Gad, which means good fortune, which I don't know. If you named me Gad, I would call that unfortunate. But anyway, going through life called Gad's about like being called Sue, right? It being a boy called Sue. Anyway, um, and then the second one that she had, she named Asher, happy. So fortunate and happy, which again, she's had these children through her maidservant, and she's saying that she's fortunate and happy. You know, some of the time when you go through the story, it feels like when, I'm trying, when I've tried to teach the kids how to catch... You know, and uh, it, everyone has been exactly the same. I mean, if I just take the ball and, and back up and, and throw the ball to them, then it hits them in the face or, you know, they, they're stumbling around. And it's just difficult to learn how to catch. And so what does a parent do? I, I, 
I take their hands and I cup them or they got the glove and I set it out there and say, just stand right there and, and don't move. And then I back up and with my adult skill, you know, I, I go and throw it just like making a basket, basketball in the basket, you know, I just, I make it right in their hands. But when it lands in their hands, it's like, I caught it, I caught it, I caught it, I did it, I did it. I know, you didn't do anything. Like, if, you, if I'd just thrown it at you, you'd have hit you in the nose. But, but I set your hands, and I did the thing. And it feels like these ladies are like, yeah, see? It kind of happens through the whole story. Like, oh, yeah, see? See, our, our thing worked. No, your thing didn't work. God is involved in this, and he's in the background, and, and you guys are doing these things, and it's not good. So then, um, and this is where the story gets, gets really crazy, Reuben who, remember, was the firstborn. And we, if you do the timing, Reuben's not, he's not that old. It says that he went and found mandrakes, which the way it words that, that he went and found, it almost sounds to me in the context of everything that's going on that Mama may have said, Mama Leah may have said, hey, go get me some mandrakes. Now, why mandrakes? Well, mandrakes were a fruit, vegetable, I'm not sure, but, uh, but they were known to have the qualities of, uh, to be an aphrodisiac and to help with fertility. And so basically, she, this boy goes out and finds the fertility drug and brings it back. And when, when he brings it back to, to Leah, then Rachel says, hey, give me those mandrakes. I'm the one, I need those mandrakes. And she says, you crazy? You already taken my husband. This is in, this is in the passage. You already taken my husband. You going to take my mandrakes too? She says, all right, I'll cut a deal with you, Leah says. I'll give you the mandrakes, but I get Jacob tonight. So sure enough, they make the deal. Jacob comes in, and Leah walks out and says, I have hired you for tonight with my mandrakes. Basically, I have purchased to be with you tonight. All right, so here we go. And sure enough... She conceives again um, and names that boy uh, Issachar, which means I earned this. (laughs) I paid for it. I bought it. I got this. These are my wages. I I earned this. And then Leah uh, conceives again to a boy named Zebulun, which, which actually the way she words it, she says this out loud. She says, now my husband will honor me. Do you hear it? Like that longing for affection, that longing for attention, all the jealousy, all the envy, all the things, all the brokenness. And then it says, and here we go again, that, that uh, fingerprint of God in the middle of it all. Then God remembered Rachel and God listened to her and opened her womb. So earlier said that uh, God heard Leah and saw Leah now he remembered Rachel and listened to her and opened her womb. Um, and she had Jace, uh, Joseph, which means uh, take, my reproach has been taken away and a, and a son has been added. So jealousy, rage, passivity. And all along, God has promised to make their descendants, Jacob's descendants, like the sand of the she- seashore, so numerous that you can't count it. Uh, we've got a friend who was on a road trip a few years ago, had a rental car, I think, if I'm remembering the story right. But she pulls up to a convenience store. She goes in. When she's coming back out, this guy walks up to her and says, hey, I like your car. 
She says, yeah, yeah, it's, it's just a rental. He says, I'm going to take it. She said, oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay. She starts kind of moving towards the car, and he starts walking behind her towards the car. I'm going to take it. <laughs> he just keeps on saying, I'm going to take it, and starts heading. So she jumps in, slams the door, and pulls off. I'm going to take it. When I read the story, that's what I feel like these ladies are saying. Like, I want this. I want the affection. I want to be the one who wins this war, and I'm going to take it. I'm going to take this thing into my own hands, and whatever it means, I don't care because I'm going to get it. And then you see that cake. <laughs> that's, what, that's what it looks like, right? A mess. Um, all right, so curtain closes on scene one. Scene two, tree, uh, tree limbs and lies. Same thing, just, just different story. We've got uh, even Uncle Laban has recognized that God is doing something in this whole scenario. Jacob, afterwards, after these 14 years, Jacob says, hey, I think we're going to go our own way. And Laban says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I can tell that I've been blessed by being near to you, that, that this is God that's growing all of my possessions and he's doing all this through you and having you here. So I want you to stay around a little bit longer. So how are we going to do that? And, uh, you know, Jacob's wise now that this, this Laban guy is a, a trickster. So he says, hey, I, I got an idea. Let's do this. You know, all the sheep, if we, if we look at them and you've got the best that are the pure white, you know, the, the ones that are considered the, the best, and then there's your second best, the ones that are speckled and spotted and striped. And I tell you what we'll do. We'll just, you take the best and I'll take the speckled and spotted and striped. And when all is said and done, whichever ones are like this or mine, whichever ones are like that or yours. Okay, let's do it. But then Laban, the, the master trickster, sends his sons out and they take all the speckled and spotted and striped and they move them so far away that they can't mate together. And so now he's all of the, everything's set up against Jacob. But then Jacob has this incredible idea. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get some tree limbs and I'm going to strip them down and like make them speckled and spotted and striped. And then I'm going to put them out there in front of, of the sheep. So when they're mating, they're looking at the speckled and spotted and striped tree limbs. And then they'll have speckled and spotted and striped offspring. Isn't that a great idea? <laughs> it sounds like that one will work, man. Uh, well, the crazy thing is that it does work. Maybe. The speckled and spotted and striped start to grow in number. In fact, he... It's even the stronger of the, of the herder are from the speckled and spotted and the striped. And then God visits Jacob in a dream. And he says, look up. You think that the tree limbs did this, but look up. I did this. I'm the one that caused this to happen. And he, uh, because it's happened, because the it's grown so much and his lot is bigger than Laban's. The sons of Laban are angry and they say, let's, uh, man, this guy's a problem. And when Jacob finds out about it, he takes Leah and Rachel and he pulls them into the field. And in secrecy, he has this conversation with them. And he says, hey, we're, we're going to have to get out of here. And in, um, in Genesis chapter 31, verse 9, he says, thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and has given it to me. God has done this. He's taken away the livestock and given it to me. A little bit later in verse 13, 
He says, this is when he was talking to God, God spoke to him and said, I, or he was in this dream, I am the God of Bethel. Remember, Bethel is the place that he was before he came here, the place that he said, surely God is in this place and I have not seen him. Bethel, I am the God of Bethel where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise and go from this land and return to the land of your kindred. Boy, go, go back home. And so you would think at this point, again, the close of scene two, that Jacob would go, all right, God has been present with us. I've done some wacky, dumb stuff, but God has still been present in all the things that he promised to do, he's been doing. Now I'll just go to Laban and say, hey, I'll, I'll take my sheep, I'll take my family, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go my way. But instead of doing that, he has the bright idea to do it in secret. So he pulls the girls aside. He says, hey, we're going we're gonna to leave. And then he waits till Laban goes out in the fields. And then he takes all of his things and all of his family and all of his possessions. And he, and he moves out. And as they're leaving, Rachel has the great idea to go into daddy's house and to take his idols. The guides that he worshipped. I, lucky rabbit's foot, maybe. Protection on the journey. Not, not smart. <laughs> not needed. The one true God was with them, had promised, but let's take these little statues because maybe that'll help. Maybe he'll like that. So then on their way, Laban begins to follow, angry. One, his family just left without saying bye. (laughs) You know, note Thanksgiving. Before you leave the house on Thanksgiving dinner, at least tell the family bye. They just left out, and the idols have been stolen. But while he's chasing on the way, God comes to him and says, hey, don't mess with, with Jacob. I know you're angry, I know that, but don't, don't mess with Jacob. So then when they get together and they have this conversation, um, it's interesting. Laban goes and he goes from tent to tent to tent to find the, the idols. And there's not, they're not here, they're not here, they're not here. He goes into Rachel's tent and she is sitting on top of the idols. And so he looks everywhere and he can't find them. And then she doesn't stand up, which she normally should do when he enters the room. And she says something really interesting. She says, um, I am uh, under the custom of, of women at this time, and I cannot stand. Which if you remember back to the story before, when, when Laban gave Leah instead of Rachel to Jacob, he said the reason he did it is because the custom was that the older had to be given first. And here's Rachel saying to her daddy, hey, I can't stand up because uh, of, the, of the custom. And so basically, Jacob, uh, Jacob, it says, he tricked. Remember, Jacob means tricked. Jacob, Jacob, Laban. He snuck out at night. They stole the idols. And Laban, because, it says in verse 30, uh, 42, if the God of my father, this is uh, Jacob talking, if the God of my father, the God of Abraham, uh, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. But God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. If God hadn't visited Laban in that tent and told him, hey, you need to be careful and not, and not mess with my boy Jacob, then Laban would have you know, taken things away, would have hurt him. But no, he was protected because God stepped in. And so again and again and again and again, 
the two then come together and they throw some rocks and they say, hey, you go your way and I'm going to go my way. And whenever the two shall cross, we're not going to mess with each other anymore. And so then we've got the story next week where uh, we, we continue on and Jacob wrestles with God. But in this section, these three stories, it's just this reoccurring God made a promise and he's faithful. People try to take it on their own and they make it really messy. And I, it made me think a few years ago, I was at this classical music festival kind of thing. And uh, it was in India. And if you know anything about Indian classical music, they've got cra- some crazy instruments, right? They've got the sitar. Have you ever seen one of those big, big sitars and these really interesting instruments? And then a big part of that is there's always a vocal where they'll hit all kinds of, you know, kind of crazy notes. And it's really effective at putting you to sleep. If you want to go to sleep, I promise you, just, just pull that up. I was going to play some this morning, but I was afraid everybody would fall asleep. So, but... I got there with this friend of mine, and we sit down, and you've got to sit, you know, actually Indian style with your, you know, crisscross applesauce, which already makes me, like, want to pass out, but um, they, they wouldn't start. And all the instruments appeared to be tuned, you know, they did a little bit of that, but they kept on waiting, and an hour passed, and another hour passed. And the musicians were on the stage, and everybody was in the crowd, but they wouldn't start. And the only one that was still messing with his instrument was the guy with the, with the drum. And that, it's one of those drums that you can, you know, you pat from both sides. And he just kept on working on it. And I leaned over to my friend, and I'm like, man, what is the deal? I mean, we're two hours behind here, which an hour is maybe normal in, in that part of the world. But two hours, it just felt like, man, this is ridiculous. And my friend said... Well, yeah, they can't start until the, until the drum is ready. Because everything about this, it's all connected to the beat of the drum. Which then as they started, the drum seems like it's kind of, not, not an afterthought, but the drummer's kind of off to the side and not out front, and his instrument's really kind of smaller than the other ones. And, but it never left me. Like, that's, even though all of this is happening back there, this whole thing is about that drum, and you can just hear that drum beating. And I think about, in, at least in my life, and I, I believe in yours too, that there are these, these promises of God, and there's the, the presence of God. And just like Jacob, it's there, and sometimes we have to admit that it was there, but we just didn't even recognize it. That, that he's, he's here, and he's, he's good to his word. And the more that we begin to push the drum to the front, I, I thought about this uh, later on a few years ago, me and the boys went to a concert in Little Rock and the, this band did some really cool things. But one of the things they did, they took the drummer and they took the stage that the drummer was on and they did like a crowd surf with the drummer. <laughs> and I was thinking about how different that is. Like what if this you know, obvious presence of God was something that instead of pushing back to the corner, we, we pushed to the forefront of our lives. And we said, not only do I recognize it, but I yield to it. I'm not going to be passive. I'm going to actively not take control and anxious toil about the things of my life that I can't control, but I'm going to recognize that you are present and that you've made promises and that you're going to be good 
And I'm going to be active in the things that you've led me to be active in. But at the end of the day, I'm going to trust you. You know, what, what if we were to do that? And you might say, well, look at Jacob, though. I mean, he had this direct promise. I mean, God visited him and gave him a, a direct promise that I'm going to do these things. Well, God has done that for you, too. He's done it for me, too. I mean, you, you don't have to, you can just look at New Testament and what he said to his followers. One in, in particular, you know, Jesus, he's, he's killed, he's murdered in front of his friends. He comes back to life again. Then he calls them together after the resurrection. He calls them together and he says, hey, I've got all authority here. You guys, you, you go out, be fruitful and multiply, make disciples, call others to follow me. And then he says it, I will be with you always even to the end of the age. I mean, we've, we've got direct promises. He's with us. He won't leave us or forsake us. And yet, when the tough things of life come up, when times like uh, 2020 happen and we start looking around at all the craziness, it's just real easy. Now I'm going to take the bull by the horns. And that's, that's me. That, that's my nature. We're called to yield. I... Uh, We've got a, a car that, that needs a, a bumper. I mean, not a bumper, a, uh, a trailer hitch. And I was watching the YouTube video thinking I'm going to do this, kind of like I did the cake. And then it got more complicated and more complicated. Step one was take the bumper off. And, you to, it, and it just looked really complicated. And then step two was take the muffler off. And, it, and then it just, got, it just got more difficult and more difficult. And... <laughs> you know what I'll probably end up doing? I'll probably end up trying to fix it and having to replace a bumper and be just like Jacob. And we just have to look at our life and stop and say, you know what? God has promised to do what only God can do. Man, let me rest and have peace. Let him have it. So I don't know what it is in, in your world that's like that right now. I can think of two or three specific things for me that I know I can't impact it, but yet I'm still trying to. And every time I try, it gets worse. My solutions are actually causing more problems. And I need to trust him, let him have it. So as we've seen, just ask him to, if, you, if that's not immediate to you, if you don't just know what that is, ask him to reveal, what is it, God, that it would make you so happy if I would just take you at your word and trust you with it? All right, let me pray.